When I was growing up, um, I was taught that anytime I came together with my church family and shared the Lord's Supper together, it was a great opportunity to uh, be honest. Um, honest with God, honest with each other, and honest with myself. And that's one of the things that, that's going to be a theme throughout the message this morning is honesty. We're going to look at a passage in a few minutes, uh, several passages in the Old Testament, uh, where God's people are incredibly honest with their feelings. And I'm going to share some very honest thoughts I, I've been dealing with lately with you as well. But another theme, something else to pay attention to this morning, has to do with the abundance, the bounty that God has in store for all of us. We've been reminded of that this morning. And there's also things, of course, that, that prevent us sometimes from seeing that things that distract us, things that trap us, things that take our attention away from the bounty that God has in store and, and, and sidetracks us. And that'll be something that we look at as well. But with the, uh, the idea of honesty in mind to start with, um, I'm, I'm going to be pretty honest with you this morning. Um, of course, we have been without a, a senior pastor for, for quite a while. And I asked Mary in the church office to kind of help me put a timeline together of, of how long it has been since Doyle Sager has been before us and, and preached his last sermon. And you see on the screen there, uh, it's just been over two years ago, um, 735 days, if, if my math was right, when Doyle preached his last sermon. In some ways, that, at least to me, feels like a lot longer than that. It's been a while. But since then, thankfully, uh, people like Melissa and Hannah, uh, especially during the heart of COVID, uh, they preached many, many sermons, and, and others joined them during that time. Then we entered a time uh, where different supply preachers, we call them, uh, stood up here or, or stood on our, um, our TV screens or computer screens and, and preached for a time. And then just under a year ago, uh, Keith Heron came as our intentional interim pastor and, um, and served for just under a, a year, 11 months. And honestly, um, I'm, I'm a planner person, personality. I like to get things in my head. Okay, this is the plan. This is how it's going to be. This is how things are going to turn out. And in my head, I, I had the expectation that when Keith was done preaching, we would have a new senior pastor in place, called and ready to step in and ready to go. And I'm disappointed because that's not how it turned out. Nothing against Keith Heron at all, but that's just the reality of where we are. Um, so, so I come before you today a little bit, you know, mm, disappointed, a little bit, the, the title of the sermon, are we there yet? Or maybe better, when are we going to get there? When are we going to have a senior pastor in place. And Carrie Collins, uh, the chair of our pastor search committee, has wisely said, you know, we're not at the point yet to be able to set a date to say this is when it will happen. We're not to that point yet. But I am going to share just a, a story that I hope encourages you, um, maybe the, the light at the end of the tunnel kind of feeling. Um, but this past March, uh, during spring break, my family did something we had never done before. We took a ski trip to Colorado. Um, thankfully, we all survived, but 
If you've ever taken that journey to Colorado by vehicle, you know the worst part of that trip, crossing the godforsaken state of Kansas. <laughs> and, you know, we, we were there hour after hour after hour, mile after mile after mile. And I, I don't know, you know, my, my kids are old enough, they don't grumble a lot or, or ask from the backseat, are we there yet, Dad? They, they don't do that. They know that doesn't accomplish anything in our, in our vehicle. But I was feeling that way. I was, as, as, it was, I was ready to get there. And then finally, and you know what this feels like if you've ever made that trip, finally, at some point in the distance, you see the first mountain peak. And there's something about seeing that destination in sight, if you will, that just gives, gives, it gave me hope. This trip won't last forever. We're going to get there. The end is, is approaching. The destination is nearing. And that's how I felt on that trip. And that's how I feel where we're at with this pastor search process. We're not there yet. And of course, a, a tire can blow out on the van, a, a, a road detour can happen up ahead that takes a little bit longer than what any of us would want. But I share that with you to, to just encourage all of us, hang in there. Don't give up. The end is getting closer and closer. We're getting closer. We're also going to, with that in mind, think of... Um, this passage of, uh, passages of scripture we're going to look at in the Old Testament about God's people, the nation of Israel, when they were on a journey. It's kind of, uh, not exactly like ours, searching for a pastor, but, but kind of a similar situation, if, if you would bear with me this morning. And as we look through that, um, I mentioned earlier that the traps that can, that can prevent us from seeing God's future. And I truly believe that as we continue to follow God's leadership to call a new pastor. God has an abundant future in store for us. God has some things that, that I can't comprehend right now, that I can't imagine right now in store for us. But yet, there's always the, the temptation. There's always things that trap us from seeing that future, trap us from experiencing God's, God's bounty. So we're going to look at, at the story of God working through Moses to lead his people out of, out of Egypt, leading them from generation after generation of being slaves, being captives, having no land of their own, through a wilderness and to the promised land, to an area that would be theirs and be a place not just where they would survive, but where they would thrive. And as we get into these passages of scripture, I'm going to admit, I pulled out some of the worst parts of the story for some reason today, but that's what we're going to focus on. Please, please if, you, if you need a refresher on this story, read through the whole thing, see the encouragement of, of how God is there for them, but we're going to focus on these traps that sidetrack God's people a little bit. And there's, there's four traps that I really want to point out that I think we need to be reminded about, at least I need to be reminded about this morning. So we're going to start in Exodus chapter 15, verse 22. And this is just after God had brought his people through the Red Sea, and then as Pharaoh's army was following them, the, the sea came crashing down, Pharaoh's army is wiped out, and finally God's people could take a breath and begin to, 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 to relax in some ways 
in God's direction and provision for them. Exodus 15, verse 22. Then Moses ordered Israel to set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. That is why it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. They had water to drink in their need. So this first trap that I fall into often in life that distracts me from seeing the future, the the abundant future that God has in store, is is this, this reality in our world when things get hard. I somehow equate that to I'm missing out. I'm not where God wants me to be. When life gets challenging, I've missed it. I'm off track. And this passage reminds us sometimes life is just hard. These people were exactly where God wanted them to be. God was leading them every step of the way in this story. And yet it was hard. So for you and I and in our process and our journey together, um, every time I think about that timeline I just showed you, and I know there's going to be another bullet point or two added there before we get to our next pastor, that's, that's hard for me. That's tough for me. But that doesn't mean that we're missing out on, on where God is leading us. So let's not get trapped when life gets hard feeling that we're, that we're off track. We're going to jump ahead to Exodus chapter 16, verse 2, picking up again in the story, and we'll see some similar, similar things in this passage. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. Did you you see the new element God's people added to their complaining in this? It's not only, okay, we're going to starve to death, but the other piece of looking back to how things were, God, if you would have just left us back there in Egypt, if things would just return to like they were. We were slaves. Pharaoh worked us to the bone, worked us to death, literally. But at least at the end of the day, we had some bread. There was a pot of meat. It it was better than what what things are right now. And and as I read this passage, the, the trap for me is to get caught into to thinking the past has to be better than what the future is. The, the trap of, of wanting to relive or recapture what once was as a church family instead of looking to the future and the abundance that God has in store for us in the future. And that's especially challenging and, and tricky as we search for a new pastor. We all love Doyle Sager. He was a tremendous minister to us, to my family in particular, to me as an individual. Um, but, our, but our new pastor, 
may have some similarities with Doyle, but our new pastor is not going to be Doyle. We know that. So on this journey that we're on, let's not get trapped into wanting to rekindle the past, relive the past, recapture it. Um, We know the world changes. We know the things that we have to grapple with and deal with as a church change and evolve. And again, more than anything else, God's abundant future is, is bigger than what we can imagine, especially when we try to hold on to the past. So that's the second trap that God has, has reminded me not to get caught up in. Moving ahead to Exodus chapter 17, we will again see a low light in this journey of, of the nation of Israel. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and says, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do for this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. This trap, this third trap, is a little bit more subtle, at least to me. As I, I've been, as I was reading through these passages preparing for this morning, I, I begin to wonder, God, why did you wait for your people to become so desperate before you responded? I, I, God, I believe you're up there, you're here, you're everywhere, you're with us, so why was it that your people had to cry out in desperation before you would provide them with water, before you would provide them with bread from heaven. Why was that? And I think the trap for me that stands out from this passage is how easy it is for me to forget that I can't provide anything for myself. I, you know, the, the, it's, it's so tempting as, as a person who goes to work, who has a house to live in, who... If I just work harder or, or put more time into something, I, I can provide for myself. But this passage, these multiple passages remind me, it is only God that provides. God is the only one that we should look to when it comes to guidance, leadership, provision, the abundance of the future. That is all in God's hands and not in mine. So this trap, as I said, seems, at least for me, is very subtle because I don't know if it's our American worth ethic, whatever it is, but it's this tendency to forget, and we would never say this, but the tendency to live as if, eh, I got it. God, I don't, I don't need you. I can do it on my own. So we must not fall into the trap of thinking that we've got it all under control that we are the ones providing for ourselves, that the future is in our hands because God is the only one 
who provides. Finally, we're going to fast forward all the way to Numbers chapter 14. And, and by this part of the story, um, God had led his people through the wilderness, and they were on the doorstep of the promised land. They were getting ready to enter um, the land of milk and honey, as the Bible says it. A land not only uh, that would be providing for all of their needs, that was full of food, full of fresh water, but a land that would be their own, something they have not had. But as they get here, they sent out some scouts or some spies to to check things out, to, to go through the land and see what it was like. And in the midst of all of the bounty and abundance and beautiful land that they would just love to move into, there was one big thing that stood out to most of them. Another, another trap that they became consumed with. And that was the fact that the people inhabiting this land were, were big and strong and imposing. And immediately God's people were like, They'd given up before they even tried. There's no way we can go in here. We know these people aren't going to give up this land easily. Um, There's no way we can defeat them. God, thanks, but, you know, obviously we can't can't take the future that you have for us. We can't take the promise that you have for us. So that sets the stage for this final passage in Numbers 14, starting in verse 1. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to pack up and go all the way back to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us choose a captain and we're going to go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the Israelites. And Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the Israelites, the land that we went through as spies is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are no more than bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Those final words, do not fear for me, the, the fourth trap and, and the, the one that attacks me or that gets my attention more than anything else is, is fear. This message, do not fear, is, is repeated throughout the scriptures more than any other message in the Old Testament and New Testament. It's been said incorrectly that do not fear is, is repeated 365 times in the Bible, one for every day. It's, it's much more than that. It's much more than 365 times. But this final trap for the nation of Israel and for us as God's people today is how fear can paralyze us. Fear can prevent us from embracing and moving forward and accepting the abundance that God has for us as his people. 
some of the congregational conversations we had earlier this year, that came up a few times. Fear of the future, fear of the unknown, fear of this or that. And, and I, I struggle with that, and I think many of us do. What will the future look like? But in conclusion, um, it's so important for us to, to focus on the promises of God and to, to avoid these chaps. So just, I, re, I remind myself, I remind all of us, um, that number one, when life is tough, that doesn't mean that we're off track necessarily. We can't give up. Don't give up just when it gets hard. We can't get caught up in ca- trying to capture the past, trying to live in the past. God has a future in store of it for us that is more than we can imagine. Third, we must rely and look to God, rely on God and look to God and not get caught up in trying to do it in our own strength and by our own means. And finally, we should never allow our fear to overcome our faith. Fear is what prevents us from experiencing all that God wants for us. Please pray with me. God, we thank you for these words. We thank you for how you led your people and were with your people through the ups and downs of their journey so many centuries ago. We thank you that you show your faithfulness. We show, you show that you have an incredible future in store, not only for them back then, but for us now. God, help us to, to not get trapped into uh, missing that, not see it, to not experience it, but help us to look to you and focus to you and have the faith to follow you. Lord, thank you for being with us yesterday and today and forever. We thank you for Jesus who gave his life for us so that we can enjoy life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to the part of the service where we all have the opportunity to respond. And in just a moment, as we sing our final song together, uh, Melissa and I, a deacon or two, will be out these doors to my right. If God has spoken to you in some way, uh, I, I just ask you to respond. That might be talking to God silently where you're at. It might be coming out and talking with one of us or praying with one of us. But however it is that God has led you this morning or however God is speaking to you this morning, I invite you to respond.